I see the slide said that kids are dismissed now, so kids, you are blessed to go. And thank you to all of you who serve and bless our kids while we remain in here. Great to uh, see all the serving that happens around this place. Well, thank you, Bob, for a wonderful uh, encouragement to all of us to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. And thank you, worship team, for taking us to the throne today. I'm still resonating with those words from that last song. I thought there might be some, like, excitement running through the room. We were singing all those incredible words. So uh, let the power of the Spirit, that resurrection power we were singing about, encourage you today. So, good morning and welcome, Bridgeway Congregation. And those of you who are guests and visitors today, it is, it is great to have you here on this Mother's Day. So, bless you, mums. And can I also just add a blessing to, there's maybe people like me who, this is a day of mixed emotions. Um, I lost my mother a number of years ago, and I know that many of you have gone through that. And uh, yeah, there's also some mixed feelings on this day, but we can celebrate together just the, the incredible um, service that mothering is all, always about, right? So our topic today, actually the sermon title, is on servanthood. So even though this isn't a Mother's Day sermon, um, it is so fitting to talk about servanthood on Mother's Day because I think when we talk about what we love and appreciate about our mothers, pretty much that one's always at the top, isn't it? How much moms sacrifice and serve and give. And that's, uh, that's certainly something to, to celebrate and, and honor, honor our moms today. So, we are in the book of John, and we're continuing um, the series. We'll be in chapter 13 today, and uh, as you've heard through the service already, and as you see by the basins up here today, we're going to talk about the story where Jesus washed his disciples' feet. Now, when I think about foot washing, and I don't know about you, if, if you grew up in different church traditions, that maybe was a part of your tradition. In, in early Mennonite Brethren days, a foot washing actually happened before a communion service, and it was kind of a part of the, the tradition of the church, because foot washing has always been very symbolic with humility and with serving each other, and obviously going all the way back to this text that we're going to talk about today. Now, when I think about foot washing, I think of an encounter I had a couple years ago. So several years ago, I was invited to join a, uh, a conference for church planters that was going to happen in Thailand. So who doesn't want to go to Thailand in February? And so I was eager to go. But basically, at, at that time, I was involved in a church plant in Saskatoon. And the idea of this trip was to have... Um, church planters from North America go to Thailand and meet church planters from there who were planting churches in Vietnam. And the idea was for us to get together and share stories. So we get to this conference site, and you know, we as North American church planters, we're supposed to share our stories of you know, the challenges of church planting, and they're going to share their stories. So these um, Thai brothers who were church planters, a lot of them in Vietnam, which is a which is a country that's very, very difficult to go into. Anyway, their stories were all about, yes, we went into this area, we started planting a church, and it grew like crazy, and then we were arrested, and then I was put in jail, and then I was in jail for two years, and only was fed if my family would show up, and they would just tell, and then, and then as soon as I released from jail, I went right back to my church and started it up again, and got a, like, these were the stories, right? 
So imagine then us North Americans, it's our turn to tell our story of how difficult it is to church plant in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. All the persecution I go through. And so it was an extremely eye-opening and humbling experience. So then after this sharing time that we all did together, then the leaders had, had us pair up. So I was paired up with one of these um, local church planters, and then we were to wash each other's feet. And I just have to say, it was such a humbling moment. Like, here's this brother who's gone to prison and has been through so much hardship, and it was, gave me so much perspective, and yet was such a humbling moment. Anyway, that's, that's what I think of when I think of foot washing. Now, just to relieve some of your fears right off the bat, I'm not going to expect anyone here in this room to do any foot washing today, so uh, you can relax. Um, or you don't have to plan your early exit from the service. You'll be okay. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to be in John chapter 13. So if you have a Bible or you're following along in your phone, um, we're going to, going to look at verses 1, 1 to 17. So to begin, let's read uh, kind of the introduction or the context of this event. And it's in the first three verses of John 13. And I'm reading from the NIV. It says, it was just before the Passover festival, Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. Now, as John begins this text, and just before he tells this famous story, he wants to give us some context, and he wants to make sure that we understand the tension here. And there's lots of different tensions, but the main tension that he wants to, uh, us to understand or to think about is this tension between the humanity and the deity of Jesus. So first, think a little bit about the humanity of Jesus in this moment. So the text tells us that this is just before Passover. So this is the special meal that Jesus is going to have with his disciples where he's actually going to institute what we now call the Lord's Supper. He knew that was coming. Jesus also knew that, that, um, that his hour had come. He knew that the cross was coming soon, that his ministry was coming to an end, and this great sacrifice that he was here to do was very soon, and he was carrying the heaviness of that. This scripture tells us, too, that... Uh, his love for his followers was strong. Just how much he loved his disciples and loved his followers. And, and he had all of these emotions. And then add to that, in the very room of his closest friends and companions, is someone that he knew was going to betray him. So just imagine all of those emotions, all, all, of that, all of that human reality going through Jesus. And yet in verse 3, John then contrasts this when he says that Jesus knew, though, that he came from the Father, that he was going back to the Father, and that all things were under him. All power was under him. So do you get that tension? All-powerful, almighty God in the flesh, here also dealing with his humanity. And he's now going to demonstrate, and it's something so incredible that that brings this tension together. So let, let's continue reading now in verse 4. 
says, so Jesus got up from the meal, he took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, You do not realize what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord Simon Peter replied, Not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. And Jesus answered, Those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean, and you are clean, although not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said, Not everyone was clean. So here in this moment, before, just before their Passover meal, a special yearly time that they would have had together. And of course, as I told you earlier, this is the Passover meal where Jesus is going to institute what we call the Last Supper. It was at this moment, just before then, that Jesus does this incredible act. Now, because when we think about foot washing, and even the slide you see, we often have kind of a ceremonial kind of thinking about it. And yet foot washing in that day was one of the most common menial things of culture. It was like a daily common thing to get your feet washed. You see, in the ancient Near East, and especially in that time, everyone wore sandals and everyone walked through dirty, dusty streets all the time. So I was thinking about all of you ranchers and farmers out there and thinking, no cowboy boots, sandals to walk through dirt, mud, manure, and everything else. So you could imagine what everyone's feet were like at the end of the day when you'd show up for dinner. And unlike us, you didn't sit at a tall table so that you could kind of hide your feet under the table. No, they sat at low tables where they reclined, and so those nice, smelly, stinky feet <laughs> were all there display, kind of gross at a meal, right? So all that wonderful imagery for you to for us to understand that, yeah, this was just a very common, menial thing that was done before you sat down for dinner because it was as, as necessary as us washing our hands before we eat. Now, washing feet was considered such a lowly, menial task that, uh, from what I'm reading, even the Jewish slaves were often not assigned to that because, and it would be, that task would be given to the Gentile slaves. It was thought as being that lowly and that menial. And the only time that, that people within the household would wash feet would be as if they weren't either wealthy enough to have servants or slaves, or sometimes as a real generous act of hospitality. Because you see, if you had people over and you didn't wash their feet, that would be a real, or, or there didn't arrange for their feet to be washed by a servant or whatever, that was really, really rude because it was such an act of hospitality. But that's just kind of the the idea of just the familiarness and the menialness of all of this. So now you have to imagine, in this setting, Jesus takes off his outer robe, and then he ties a towel, and he takes a basin. And we read that and go, okay, cool. They saw that, and to them, that's the act of a slave. So here, their master, their teacher, the one they call Lord, the one that they believe is the Messiah is now taking the posture 
of a slave, and maybe even to some of them like a Gentile slave, which would even be worse. That's, that's the picture of Jesus when he goes to wash their feet. So from that, you can imagine Peter's reaction, right? Because what does Peter right away do? Go, Lord, what, what are you doing? You're not going to wash my feet. You know, I think partly Peter was appalled um, because of the situation. Masters don't wash the feet of disciples, certainly not the one that's going to be the Messiah. So he would have been appalled and even offended by that. You know, but I wonder if he also wasn't feeling a little bit guilty because he didn't offer, right? And, and sometimes um, in situations with um, rabbis and their, and their disciples, sometimes an act of reverence or an act of service to a beloved rabbi would be for you to wash their feet. And so there might have been some of that, that here Peter is realizing, oh, here's Jesus doing this. I didn't think of that. But anyway, that was his initial response of offense by this. But then, of course, Jesus says to him, well, if you don't let me wash your feet, then you have no part of me. So as soon as Peter hears that, and Peter being Peter, and being the reactionary one, the one that's always going to go for it no matter what the situation, the first one to speak, the first one to act. So as soon as he hears that, he's going, whoa, okay, Jesus, well, if that's the case, then don't just wash my feet, wash all of me. And then Jesus says what's really interesting about him being clean. Now, before I go there, though, think a little bit about, so why, would, why did Peter react that way? Why did he, why, why, was, why is he saying, okay, now wash all of me? Now, it may have been good intentions. It may have been because he's thinking, okay, well, if Jesus is going to wash my feet and that's going to clean me up some and to be a part of him and his movement and, and all of that, yeah, I want more. So yeah, Jesus, if that's what you're saying, I want more. And, and that, that, that may have been his motivation. I found this interesting, though, in my reading this week. And when Jesus says, unless I wash you, you have no part in me, that word part there can be um, is translated from the Greek this way here, but that word can also mean inheritance. So in some ways, what Jesus was saying, if you don't let me wash you, you have no part of my inheritance. Or what Peter might have heard is, you have no part in my kingdom. You see, you've got to remember, the disciples are still thinking. They're, they have no clue that Jesus is about to lay down his life. They are still thinking, any day now, Jesus is going to make his move. And he's going to become king. We're going to have important government positions. And the time is coming, boys. Get ready. We're going to be exalted. We're going to be part of the ruling class. We just have to wait a little patiently longer. But that's what they were still anticipating. And so Jesus just keeps doing these crazy things, like wash their feet like a common slave, rather than being the king he's supposed to be. And so Peter and all the other disciples, they're pretty conflicted. And so, so some commentators wonder if, if, if Peter's already, you know, in a sense, jockeying for power and influence and saying, well, hey, Jesus, you know, I want to be a part of what you're going to be a part of, and I want as much as I can get. Now, what's interesting is that when you read the other gospel accounts of, of this event, of this last supper and this foot washing, John's the only one that mentions the foot washing, but the other, the other gospel writers talk about the other events that were going on. And it's interesting to me that Luke comments in Luke chapter 2, 24, he says, also a, dis a dispute arose among them 
as to which of them was considered to be the greatest. So do you get the the complicated human messiness of what's going on here? Like Jesus has just demonstrated this incredible act of servant leadership. And what are his disciples thinking? Who's the greatest? Who's gonna, who's gonna get more inheritance? Who's gonna have more power? Who's gonna have more prestige? When's Jesus gonna really get on with the real task of building the kingdom? And in the midst of all of that confusion and humanity, Jesus does this incredible act of servant leadership. Now in this little encounter that's going on between Peter and Jesus, it's interesting that, Je- that when Peter says, okay, if don't just wash my feet, wash all of me. And then Jesus says back to him, he says, well, you know, someone who's already had a bath is already clean, I just need to wash your feet. And I could get into a lot of that, but I won't for now. But then he says to Peter, but you are clean. I want you to think about that for a moment. He says to Peter, you are clean. Now, Jesus knows all of Peter's motives. So if Peter's motives are mixed with his sinful humanity here, and he's still not getting it, and he's still overreacting, and he's still being all of the messy humanness that Peter can be, that's all the reality, right? But what does Jesus probably also know? What's Peter about to do in the next chapter or two? Peter's going to desert Jesus and deny him. Jesus knows that's coming too. Isn't it amazing that in that moment, Jesus could say, but you are clean? The reason I emphasize this is I think that we so miss the heart of our Jesus. Are you a child of God? Are you a follower of Jesus? Are you, like me, a real human, messed up, sinful child of Jesus? Yeah, you're probably all lining up with me. Do you imagine your Jesus coming to you with all, knowing all of the good and bad and ugly of your life, past and future, looking at you in the midst of your struggles, in the midst of your sin, in the midst of your confusion, and looking at you and saying, you are clean. You're my daughter. You're my son. You are clean. Yeah, I got to wash your feet. Yeah, there's, there's, there's some dirt there that needs to be clean. But you know what? I have saved you. You are mine. You are clean. Can you hear that from your Jesus today? There is no one in this room that is so messed up that if you're a follower of Jesus and you desire to follow him, that he isn't going to look at you and say, my daughter, my son, you're clean. You're mine. Is that your Jesus? That's the Jesus speaking to your heart today. And if that isn't amazing enough, Jesus still knelt down with that basin, with that towel at Judas's feet. The one he knew was going to betray him and washed his feet. What does that say about Jesus? What does that say about who Jesus calls us to serve? That's our Jesus. Just want to read you this quote from one commentator. He said, uh, John's instruction 
to the event ensures that we understand God's glory is revealed in Jesus in this sign. This is what God himself is like. He washes feet, even the feet of the one who will betray him. That's our God. That's the heart of your God who loves you and calls you clean. So let's read the rest of the text now. Picking it up now at verse 12. It says, When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. So Jesus sets the standard, sets the bar, sets the example of what servanthood is all about. Now as I was studying this week, I, uh, I came across a story that happened at... Uh, the Lausanne Forum on World Evangelism. If you've never heard of it, it's a large worldwide conference that brings Christians together from all different denominations in order to talk about world evangelism. You'll, you'll see on the screen here that they, they broke them up into groups for this conference, and the quote on the bottom there is one of the groups. Do you see who's all in it? A Catholic priest, an Orthodox priest, an evangelical pastor, an Israeli and a Palestinian, a black, a white, and an and Asian American, a Hutu and a Tutsi, a male and a female. Now I want you to see that and just stay on that slide for a bit. So this is what happened. So at this conference, this whole group of believers from all different countries around the world and all different denominations around the world, all different races, and they put them in groups to do these little focus studies. Well, this particular group, while they were presenting all of these people that you see in this quote are seated in front of the assembly and they're all washing each other's feet. And as the writer talked about this, I don't think anyone really cared or heard their presentation. All they were doing was watching and just being broken by what they were seeing before them. And the writer says that the place ended up breaking into applause, watching this. And then the writer comments later in, in the next slide, he says, what was poignantly revealed and confirmed to us in the gesture of foot washing was the nature and mission of the church in reconciliation. My sisters, my brothers at Bridgeway Church, is this the mission and the nature of our church, reconciliation. That's what Jesus models and demonstrates and calls us to, and that's what we are to be all about. The world will not know the beauty of what Jesus did, of his incredible love and sacrifice, until we can walk out this mission and be a church of reconciliation. 
So as we consider this text today, as we consider what Jesus did, can we take seriously what Jesus modeled for us? See, this isn't a story about what Jesus did to serve. This is really more about who Jesus served. So if we're going to take Jesus seriously, the question today is, who are we called to serve? And I think, first of all, we see that we're, we're called to serve those we love. That's a good thing. Jesus deeply loved his disciples and followers, and he was overjoyed with the opportunity to serve them. Yeah, we're called to serve the ones we love. But like Peter, we're also called to serve those who disappoint us. We're also called to serve those that we know have mixed intentions or might be a little messed up. We're called to serve those people too. Jesus models for us that, believe it or not, we're called to serve people who hurt us and betray us. We're called to serve those people too. And when Jesus says at the end there that no, no servant or, or no servant is, or master is greater than a servant, he's also reminding us that we are all called to serve even people that we think are below us. We are called to serve people who our culture and our society marginalizes. People in our culture, society that, that are deemed unworthy. As followers of Jesus, we're called to serve them too. So I could try to illustrate now how could you serve or what specific ways could you serve. And I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to mess with me and all of us in those questions. But what I really feel the Spirit is calling me to proclaim and to bring us to today is who are we called to serve? Who are you called to serve? Can I ask you today to pray in your spirit and say, Jesus, reveal to me, show me who you are calling me to serve. And when Jesus reveals that person to you, then have a conversation with him about what that might look like. You know, in some ways, it might be just the most simplest gesture because it's so much more about the heart posture than the actual action. So as we come to response today, this is now why these buckets are up here. So I'm gonna ask the worship team if they'll come and take their places. And we're gonna respond today with a worship set here at the, at the conclusion of our service. But let me just remind you, it's only 11.30, so we're, we've got time to respond. And in this next set of songs, this is what I want to encourage you to do. Will you take some time to just pray in your spirit and listen and, and ask, Holy Spirit, Jesus within me, show me who you are calling me to serve today. And then I'd like you to do this. If you would be willing, it's an invitation. It, as an outward expression of that inward commitment, just sometime during these next few songs, just slip out from where you are and come up to one of these three basins and just dip your hands in 
as just a symbolic gesture of identifying with Jesus and serving and washing feet. And make that commitment to him to say, yes, Jesus, I will obey what you're prompting me. And I will serve that person this week or as, or as soon as, as, as possible to do so. So that's the challenge as we respond today. So let me pray for you. And again, I ask you, I invite you, open up your hearts and open up your spirit. And let Jesus speak to you today. And then again, anytime during the songs, come and respond. There's towels up here too to dry off your hands. Let's pray. So Lord Jesus, we worship you. We marvel. We marvel at how you served. You as almighty God, king of kings, lord of lords, but living among us in your humanity. Lord Jesus, you humbled yourself. And Lord, you humbled yourself to the cross so that we can all be here forgiven and be clean. But Lord, you humbled yourself and modeled serving in a way that is so beyond our humanness. So I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will pour out in power now and break through our humanness. Come, Holy Spirit, break through our humanness and soften and break our hearts. And Lord Jesus, show us who you're calling us to serve. So we ask you, Lord, to do an incredible miracle and work of reconciliation in our lives and in this church. And we pray that together in Jesus' name. Amen.